0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, it's a great joy for me to be here and uh, for the second time to be able to share the word of God in this pulpit, in this congregation. Uh, as they told you, those who are here at the beginning of the service, my name is Antoine Rutaisire. I come from the country of Rwanda. And uh, before I start sharing the word of God with you, I want first of all to thank you all not only for this check that they gave me this morning for our center for children under risk or youth at risk actually because most of those we are serving are aged 9 to 15 i'd like to thank you very much because it has been a great great gift and it has been a great boost to our ministry for the service we are rendering to those uh, youth at risk, because starting with uh, 2004, we started working with the street kids, and I want to take this opportunity again to commend Rwanda partners for the support we have received from them, to be able to support some of those children who live on the street, and bring them back to the purpose God had for them when he created them. And that's why the center we are starting with the money we have given is not called a center for street children, We've called it Center for Champions because we really want to restore those children to the purpose God had when he created them. Every time when I speak to those children, I tell them, you weren't created to be street kids. You happen to be on the street, but when God created you, it wasn't his intention. So thank you very much for the great contribution you are making to that. And I'm sure in the future, for those who will be visiting Rwanda, you will see great things God is doing there particularly with those children. So thank you very much. And may the Lord bless you for your generosity. And may the Lord encourage you to do more. Not, I'm not appealing for Rwanda, but for, but for other places too. Because God loved us, and he blessed us to bless other people too. So, And that's part of the message we are having this morning. Let's turn to our Bibles, to the passage that has been read for us. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this morning we are speaking about the power of the love of Christ. When I was meditating on this passage, preparing for this sermon, actually it was quite difficult because every time when I have to speak about the love of God, it's so amazing. When I came to the Lord in 1983, it was a time when I was going through great troubles and problems I had lost my job with the university, not because of things I had done, but because of a new policy our our government had come up with, the government that later on committed the genocide of Rwanda that you probably probably heard about. And it was at a time when I was wondering why I I was there. You know, there are times when you go through life, you meet a lot of suffering, you, you meet a lot of troubles, and you come to a point where you say, Does life have a meaning? And then you start wondering, why am I here? What am I doing here? Because you see, when you look around, we are surrounded by a world where love is not the major concern. You just switch on the, the radio, you switch on television, you open your newspaper, you look around your neighborhood, you will see that very often, Love is not the major characteristic of our relationships. People hate. People compete. People betray. People abandon each other. We, we are engaged in wars and competition. And very often you wonder where love fits in all this. And it was at a time like that when I was just wondering if there is anything like humanity that I discovered Jesus. Jesus. And that changed my life. Because you see, when you are submerged by hatred, particularly hatred against you, sometimes you sit there and you say, is there somewhere, someone who really cares about me? And maybe this morning you are feeling like that. Because there are times when, even when you've been blessed, Even when you don't lack anything, you wake up in the morning and you wonder if your life has a meaning, if your life has significance. Because even today, there are times when I sit there and say, well, I've been serving the Lord for 20 years or more now. But you sit there and you say, am I making any difference? Particularly when you are serving in an environment like mine, where you really find everything around you is a challenge. You, you look at the level of poverty, you look at the level of anger and hatred, and uh, particularly after the genocide, and then you spend your days doing things and working and toiling, and then at the end of the day you just wonder, am I making any difference? That's when the love of God becomes meaningful. Because you get to a point where when you know that you are not doing it to please or to do anything, but you are doing it because God loves you. And here, in the passage we've read, they tell us that uh, Christ died for us. So that those who live, will live not for themselves. But we, we live for that one who died for them. Actually, every time we hear of the love of God, there is a new definition of love. Because for us as human beings, very often love is what we get. We talk of love when you, you simply consider what people do to you. But when you turn to Christ, you find that the love of God is defined by what Christ did for us. And he did a lot. Because here, they tell us Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and then they say, and he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. For God, love is giving. For God, love is sacrifice. You look in your Bibles, actually you will find that when they speak of the love of God, they say, God so loved the world that he gave his son. So for God, loving is giving. And in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 7, they say, you see, at just the right time, When you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm always amazed to see that God loves us despite who we are. You know, there are days when I wake up in the morning, particularly when I've done something stupid. You know, we all do sometimes do things and you regret it. You say something and you regret it, particularly when you get opportunities to be on the radio and television, you know. At times, somebody just catches you with a question and you speak your mind. And there are times when I go home and my wife says, Why did you say that? You know, everybody was wondering, Why you said that? And you spend a whole night feeling bad. Then in the morning, you just wake up and you are feeling your heart heavy. And uh, then you say, After all, God loves me. Because christ died for the ungodly he didn't wait for the time when he would be nice and uh, transformed and changed he died for us when we are sinners and paul goes on to say sorry very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die but god demonstrates his own love for us in this While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, usually for us, our love is conditional. You tell people, change, then we will love you. Change, then we'll accept you. That's what we do with our children. That's what we do with people. We say, if you change, we'll accept you. But God says, "I, I accepted you, I loved you, then change. It's the love of God that changes us. I'm always amazed by, the, by grace. Loving you without any condition. And God says, I love you. Even in your sins, I love you. It doesn't mean that God loves your sins, but he loves you. He hates your sins, but he loves you. And that's a powerful thing. And very often, when I think about it, I think that's the kind of message we need to hear. In a world where we get significance when we achieve, in a world where we get accepted when we perform, God says, come to me without any performance. Come to me without anything. You just come. Because for Christ... Love is sacrifice. You know, there are times when, when if you live in an environment like the one we live in, slowly you start understanding what it means to love sacrificially. When we came out of the genocide in 1994, we had been living in a displaced people camp for three months. And we were living in a small room of seven meters on six and there were 27 people squeezed in there. And when we went back, I told my wife, if we find our house still standing, we better change our lifestyle. Because if we managed to live three months in a small room of seven meters on six, 27 people, then sure enough, we can fit in more people in a three bedroom house. <laughs> so we went there. I went back, I found my house was still standing. It had been looted, yes, but it was there. So we put in children, and then more children, and then more children, because by then we had many people who had lost their parents. And I tell you, you, you start understanding this sacrificial love when you love to a point when you suffer. Because that's how Christ loved us. He loved us so much that he went to the cross. And I often say when he was hanging on the cross there, he was saying, see, this is how I love you. And then it was as if he was telling us, then go out and love others as I did. And that's a challenge. Actually, I and my wife, we keep stretching ourselves to the maximum, on the side of sacrifice. Because, you know, when you've done it once, actually, you start saying, actually, it's possible to do more. And you do more. And the more you do, you gain a sense of joy, you gain a sense of significance, because here they tell us, he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died for them. You know, when we are in Christ, the power of the love of Christ transforms us. On verse 17, they say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We are loved into transformation because Christ loves us. It transforms our lives. We are no longer centered on ourselves. We, we just go out of ourselves. We, we turn our eyes out there to love others, to help others, to live for others, and to live for God. And it gives a new purpose for living. Because here they tell us, we, we no longer live for ourselves. You know, I found that the major, the biggest problem I find around. Everywhere I go in the world, people living for themselves. People worried about their small self. Saying, oh, they didn't see me. They don't care about me. They don't do this for me. They haven't done this for me. They, haven't. You know, very often when you get frustrated, that's that. I too, I get that. There are times when I go somewhere and uh, they just ignore you and bypass you and just say, they haven't noticed I'm around. (laughs) They haven't even mentioned my presence. (laughs) Nobody cares about me. But here the Bible tells us when we learn the love of Christ, we no longer live for ourselves we live for the one who died for us and was raised from the dead for us. You know, when I came to the Lord in 1983, I wrote in my Bible because God wasn't in my life. You know, I was this kind of turbulent young man, very good at sports, very bright in class, and yeah, you see, you see the kind of person. <laughs> and then still my life was empty. You know, there are, there are times when you are successful. Everything you touch goes well. Uh, I graduated from the university when I was 24. And then I was recruited to be an assistant professor at the university. And I was proud of myself. But God had other, other plans. So when I lost my job, that's when I started thinking about my life. That's when I started reading the Bible and I, I discovered Jesus. Jesus. Or Jesus discovered me. I don't know which way it goes. And I wrote in my Bible, I said, from this day on, I'm going to live to glorify God. That was my purpose. But later on, as I grew in the faith, particularly after the genocide of 1994, I added a sentence in my Bible. My life, my purpose will be to glorify God. And to be a blessing to other people. Because you see, that's what the love of Christ does. And I'd like to finish asking you just a small question. Who are you living for? What gives meaning and significance to your life? Because you see, very often, we are chasing after the wind, like Solomon said. And one thing the genocide of 19 and the war of 1994 taught me in rwanda when i was young i had some ambitions i had told myself i've always been kind of been focused when target you get fix yourself targets and i still find myself doing that even when i'm driving i say i'm going to drive this distance in uh, this um, 50 minutes and then this distance in 50 minutes so i'm going to be there i fixed targets for myself so i had given myself a target So I had said, when I'm 30, I'm going to be married, and uh, then I'm going to have a house of my own, and then it will be equipped to this and that and that and that. And I made it. Then 1994 came, and one good morning, we woke up, it was war. So we had to leave everything. Everything I had toiled for all those years. My university degree, I looked at it and I said, this is a paper. If I go out there in the rain with it, then it's done. I left it behind there. My beautiful house, I said, well, I can't push it. (laughs) I left it there and I went. So there are times when the, the, the world will remind you that all these things we are running after are empty. And then God says, then you know that you should live for something else. And that's why he says, "For those, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died for them. And I would like to challenge you to go for that. And I would like to challenge you to try to live for our Lord and his people, and you will be blessed. And may the lord bless you thank you let's pray father we pray that you help us to understand how you loved us by sending your son and you do pray that you equip us to be able to go out there and live for you and be a blessing to your people in the name of jesus we pray amen